Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I'm okay. Yourself? I'm doing well, and I want to get to uh, something uh, of a somber moment here in a second, but I do want to tell everybody about Built Bar. Uh, go check out BuiltBar.com. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that Jimmy and I have been uh, trying to sell you on Built Bar for a few podcasts now. And we've tried it. We got free samples. It was absolutely delicious. It's so much better than your typical Cliff Bar or um, and so much more nutritious than a Twix or a Snickers or something like that. This has everything you want. Carbs. Uh, if y'all know me, every night again, I go on the carb-free diet. I always get off of it because I'm addicted to french fries but uh, this would be something that would help satiate my uh, my cravings for carbohydrates and builtbar.com you need to go check it out use the promo code locked on and um, you can get ten dollars off your first order builtbar.com also want to thank everybody over at nico sports n-i-k-c-o sports.com n-i-k-c-o sports Com. Go check them out. Talk to my man, Julio, about the Tua Tungabailoa football. It's full-size, fully embossed, got all his information, stats. Tua Tungabailoa now, jersey number one for the Miami Dolphins. But this has a picture of him wearing the good old number 13 for the University of Alabama, the one we know and love. Go check it out. Nikosports.com. Ask from my man. Somebody just as nice as him, but Julio's my main man. So uh, go check that out. part of the proceeds go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Alabama. All right, Jimmy, just first of all, a quick programming note. I am driving a truck again today. I've left Louisville, headed to Memphis now. So if it sounds a little rickety, I'm in somewhat of a rickety truck. So y'all deal with that. Now, so Jimmy, we're part of – we have a lot of friends that we communicate with that are – Big time Alabama fans. We've mutual friends. Inter- mutual friends, and we've met them through essentially the interwebs. That's how we met them. Um, I don't get to see many of you guys. I don't get to see you very often, maybe once or well, twice a year. I don't get only- to see a lot of these guys we're good friends with. Um, unfortunately, uh, we lost one of our friends. The, the details aren't really important right now, but uh, we lost a great, great buddy of ours that was a loyal listener to our program. And on top of that, he was just a good friend and a good guy. And, um, man, well, I honestly, Jimmy, I got the news this morning. I, I was dead asleep in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I wake up generally about one o'clock every morning just to see what time it is. And it's typically always one o'clock. And uh, I checked my phone at 62 messages. And I thought that was very odd. Um, so I figured I better check what's going on. Um, and as I started reading, I, I just couldn't believe what, what I was reading. And um, just a very sad, somber moment. And I guess the reason that I'm even bringing it up is because um, some people that will know the situation listen to the program, and, and we want them to know that we're thinking of him and his entire family. And uh, we are we're really heartbroken by this news. And... Um, very sad day in that sense, and I promise we won't spend a lot of time on this anymore because uh, we want to make people feel good about Alabama sports on this podcast. But 
I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up that uh, we'll miss our good buddy. Exactly. I'm glad you did. And uh, it's, it's devastating to us uh, that we're close to him and his family. Uh, I mean, total, total devastation. That's what happens when you, you lose someone suddenly that is, uh, that's uh, close to you. But, you know, one, one reason among the many to, to bring it up, not just to honor our friend, but um, just what a lesson about how, how Alabama football just like any other football, just like fans of any other team, college or pro, uh, you know, you create a lot of friends through that and, and it brings people close together and you all feel like you're all on the same team and there's so much good that comes from this sport and, and, and being fans of this sport and this, this team, uh, there's so much good that comes from it that has nothing to do with uh, jumping up and down and waving your pom-poms when Henry Ruggs scores a touchdown or Najee Harris makes a first down or two, it completes a pass. I mean, that's fun too. Uh, and it's fun to celebrate and we get a big time commitment. I mean, that, that's so fun. But the reason it's fun is we get to share it with our friends. It, it's something that we share uh, together as a community and as friends. And uh, so uh, as, as down as I am, I'm also grateful to all my friends and, and what Alabama football has been able to do for me in terms of uh, who I've been able to meet and befriend and uh, so that's, uh, that's a good lesson for all of us. No, I think that's a fantastic point because, frankly, I wouldn't have known this guy without Alabama football. I mean, I wouldn't know you. I wouldn't know so many people. And I think that's another thing. You just roll this on into a pan- the pandemic situation. That's another reason that, that I'm struggling with uh, – the continued shutdown, not because I'm, I'm trying to be anti-government or, you know, you don't tell me what to do. I mean, I understand that shutting everything down is the best way to go, but I also understand that it's little things like football that they morph into these friendships and you, you know, all of a sudden, then you, you, what you, you, you know, you've made all these great, you've got all these great people in your life that, uh, and you forget why you have them in there, but once something like this happens and you lose one of them, you, you start having some, uh, you start reminiscing about, okay, how did I ever know him? Oh, it's, it's all because of Alabama football. They not right. had that this year. And so I'm not trying to take, I'm not trying to spin this anyway uh, at all. I'm just, it, it's, it's something that caught all of us and our friends and our little group that, uh, that talk a lot about this. It caught us all incredibly off guard uh, on one hand. On another hand, um, I think there's some other things to be learned from this that, uh, you know, we, we don't really need to go into, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's somber. And I'm, I'm sorry to start everything off with a sad moment, but the people that listen to this podcast uh, are pretty devoted to the podcast and we appreciate them so much. So certainly they can understand that uh, we're, we're just, you know, we're, we're a little down about this today, and then it's a friend of ours that will be missed. So having said all that, Jimmy, um, I felt like that was necessary to, to put that out in the open. But having no, said all that, let's move on to, uh, yeah, let's move on into uh, Alabama sports. And um, you have some topics to talk about since we're going to run it up on our first break. Let me just go ahead and say that Tua Tungvaluwa got his jersey number, number one for the Miami Dolphins. Dig it. Um, yeah, I dig it too. It's a little, I, I mean, anytime 
a quarterback specifically wears number one, it automatically, I think, puts a target on their back. All quarterbacks have a target anyway. But when the quarterback wears number one, it seems to be a cocky move. But I think there's no doubt Tua would have worn 13 had it been available, number one. And number two, um, you know, I think it's, it, it fits him. It seems like he's a number one. Some quarterbacks don't seem like they should wear a certain jersey. He feels like a number one. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I mean, I, I just like it. It's easy to remember. He's going to be very uh, noticeable. It's a noticeable number, particularly for a quarterback to wear it. I like it. Um, yeah, and I'll be the first to admit, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get one. I, I don't think I'm going to get myself personally. I mean, everybody can buy their own Tua stuff, and particularly that Nyko football is what people need to be buying. But uh, in addition to the football, uh, I'm going to get this uh, – you know, I, I like T-shirt jerseys that I just kind of wear around the house. I'm not much of a jersey guy. That, you know, I'm just personally, I don't, you know, have jerseys that I wear out. That's just not me. You're Maybe. a grown-up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of an NFL thing, and I'm a college guy. So, I, I, to me, jerseys are an NFL thing. But what I do like and what I do have, uh, you know, usually when I'm home and I'm doing chores or I'm just running around, you know, walking around the house or going to bed, you know, I'll wear T-shirts. And uh, I like wearing jersey T-shirts. And by that, I mean just literally a T-shirt that looks like a jersey and with, uh, with the name and number on the back and the team. So I'm, I'm definitely getting one. As a matter of fact, it's going to be fun. I can't wait to get in the same thing. Uh, the wife, uh, she loves Tua as well. And, uh, and she also loves Jalen. So uh, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to get two extra large shirts to come in the same package, a Tua one and a Jalen one in the same size. And uh, like the uh, loving couple we are, we're going to go share these and we're going to have the Tua and the uh, Jalen jerseys to, uh, to have basically for 2020 pajamas. It's the pajamas that we're buying in 2020. I really thought you were going to say you're buying you're buying an, a double extra large jersey and y'all are both going to get in it. That's what I thought you were going to say. That, that That's a much better idea. Cool. It's yeah, a better it idea. I, I, I love how adventurous you guys are. Uh, <laughs> kink. It's a kink thing for Kinky. us. We we wear one shirt at the same time. We go to you kink, have a jersey kink. fetish. <laughs> we go to kink conventions where everyone in the, in the room are couples. We're not swingers, we're sitters. We sit around. We're not swingers, we're sitters. We sit around wearing one jersey. Just a bunch of us in the room. You're watchers. You're like, uh, what was it? Wasn't it Tiger Woods? He used to, when he didn't want to have uh, relations with all those women that he was having relations with, like he would sit on some throne and watch other people have relations. Jeez. What really? That? Yeah. I don't, read, I don't read the right books. Yeah, I know. That's don't a... read the Tiger Woods books about, like, how he made a – Golf. You know, how he – yeah, golf books. Read, <laughs> read the Tiger Woods fallacious stuff. That's what's cool. <laughs> I'm just reading the wrong books. No, but we're going to get basically – I guess you call them sleep shirts or something. I don't know. But we, we're, getting the, <laughs> we're getting the Tua and the Jalen, and, and I'm going to order it from the same place, so it's going to come in one package. Maybe I'll uh, take a photo when it gets there, and we'll – We'll tweet it out, but the uh, Jalen doesn't have a number yet. Although everybody in Philadelphia thinks he's going to end up being number two, uh, that seems to be the common guess. But uh, but it's not official like Tua's is. 
you know, and I, isn't isn't that so symbolic? Tua number one, Jalen number two. I mean, <laughs> and I don't mean that, I don't mean that as a shot at Jalen, but I mean, well, there are I, two. Isn't that there are two highest ranked? Our two best, I mean, the two highest drafted quarterbacks at Alabama in 44 years, 44 years, Tua and Jalen are our highest drafted quarterbacks. That's crazy. Yeah, and who would have guessed? I mean, you know, A.J. McCarron, you know, I would definitely rank above Jalen in terms of what A.J. accomplished at Alabama. I would rank ahead of Jalen myself. And, and, of course, A.J. went in the fifth round. <laughs> After all this, Jalen would go in the second round, drafted higher than people like A.J., Brody Croyle, Jay Barker. Uh, I mean, the Jalen would be drafted ahead of all those guys, Walter Lewis, uh, so many. Uh, Jeff Rutledge. Jalen was higher drafted than all of them. That's crazy, man. It really is. And partly because let's let's say I, I had long discussions with a, a good football buddy of mine, a real smart football guy, and, and he thought Jalen would be drafted lower. And I kept saying he, he would be drafted higher. It's not because I'm some super scout. I think it's this, and it took me a while, Luke, to understand or accept this reality. Football has changed. The whole sport has changed because the rules changed. And when the rules changed, players that succeed at the sport can be a little different because the rules are different. And now in the NFL, they run RPOs. The quarterback is an athlete. They spread the field. A five foot 10 guy was the first pick in the draft. If that's not screaming to the world that this is a different sport now, I don't know what is. It's a different sport. I think for all the Alabama fans like, Jalen's not an NFL quarterback. You're still operating on 2008 rules, 1998 rules, 1988 rules. It's changed. The league wants athletic, playmaking, spread quarterbacks. The idea that you're just going to sit in the pocket and hit a 35-yard 35 35 out you know, from the pocket on the far hash, sure, you're going to be occasionally asked to do that. But in the old days, that's all you were asked to do. And you could either do it or you weren't going to get drafted. And that's why Alabama fans look at Jalen and go, he can't. He's not a pocket passer. Well, the sports changed. RPO has changed everything. Targeting has changed everything. Now, safeties, they don't need safeties to be assassins anymore. They need safeties to be corners. Cover safeties now get drafted. Box linebackers, box safeties are linebackers. We should have seen that come with Mark Barron, who played safety at Alabama, went to the NFL. The sport changed. Now Barron's a linebacker because he's not a cover safety. So, Jalen got drafted over a recognition of the sport changing. It wasn't that we couldn't see the forest for the trees with Jalen. We just didn't buy in that, wow, you know, you know who Jalen's like? Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, maybe even Mahomes. I mean, he just liked them. And uh, that's why he was a higher, more valuable pick than, uh, than most Alabama fans projected. All right, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we will talk some more odd men stuff. Okay, Jimmy, a couple other things that were out there. You had some recruiting nuggets you wanted to touch on, so I'll let you have the floor. Well, just this. I mean, uh, I spent some time yesterday afternoon. You know, I've had some, some, some good, smart football people bring up this. I get asked a lot on Twitter. And by the way, if you're on Twitter and follow the podcast, feel free to 
either on on our timelines or on even DM. I mean, just send us questions. I'm sure me and Luke both will be happy to answer any questions with our crappy opinions. But I get questioned a lot lately about panic over our three commitments and where we're ranked. You know, we're ranked like somewhere in the 50s because we only have three commitments. And, you know, Tennessee has 18 and, and LSU has a bunch. And uh, so I get asked, Georgia, you know, I'm, I'm asked, okay, what what's wrong or, or is this? So today, so what I did was yesterday, I looked over these commitment lists to, to remind myself of, of all these kids that have committed to other programs. And then I went back and looked at a, at a master list that, 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 that I keep. This is kind of more of a reference guide about, you know, who's at the top of our board, who, who's, our, who's our biggest priorities. And the fact of the matter is most of the kids, and when I say most, what I really mean is almost all, <laughs> most of the kids that Alabama wants in our 2021 signing class, they're uncommitted. They're not committed to Tennessee. We don't have to spend, at this point, a whole lot of time flipping anybody because we haven't really lost many or if any of our high profile, we want this. I mean, put it this way. This is my opinion. I'm sure Jeremy Pruitt would look at me and tell me I'm crazy and I don't care that he would tell me that. But of the 18, the 18 guys committed to Tennessee, if we could call and just take who we wanted today. We want to flip them from Tennessee to Alabama, and instead of being committed to Tennessee, we want them committed to Alabama. There's one guy, one, and Dylan Brooks. We would want him, I'm sure. None of the other guys, I don't care what, how many stars they have, none of the other guys we would take over who we really want at that spot. So that's why I'm not panicking, because the guys that we want, they're still out there for the taking. Yeah, and, and part of it is, too, I mean, the one thing that's really hurt Alabama is no camps. I mean, right. Saban loves Correct. to see the guys in camps. And without camps, you can't see them. And so I think this year is going to be some we're – going, we're going to swing and miss, and we're going to knock some home runs, too, because we're going to have to go with gut feeling on a few of these guys, right? That's right. And, and while the, the critic would say, well, everybody's in the same boat. It's not like Alabama's got some sort of, I mean, everybody's in the same boat. That is totally true. But we had just positioned ourselves over the years. We do it a certain way. And it's really, really, really worked for Alabama. Look at the recruiting rankings and, and the results on the field. It works for us. And this is what we had done being sort of insistent on, hey, if you want to sign with Alabama, you come to our camp. And now we can't do that. So it is an adjustment. They're probably being very careful about who they take uh, because, and, and maybe even holding out, if I know Nick Saban, they may be holding out going, wait a minute, we don't know that there won't be a camp in July. We don't know that, that they're going to give us a week to say, hey, you can't put them in pads, they can't hit, but you can bring high school kids you're recruiting to your campus in July. Maybe. So it, it, it could be something that simple that we're like, well, let's, Let's not take too many kids until we know we can't do this thing in July we want to do. So uh, so for that reason, they're proceeding cautiously, but there, there's no reason for panic. I'll start panicking when the guys that I know we want are committing elsewhere and saying things to the media like, my recruiting is over, it's done, I've shut it down. When, when, when I see multiple kids that we want doing that, then I'll panic. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that uh... – it's tough for Alabama fans right now to be patient uh, because we haven't won a national championship in two years. <laughs> and, um, it's been that long. We're, 
Yeah, Sven, Sven just says eons. Um, so, yeah, it's tough for us to be patient. That's not really our forte. That's not where we we stand out. Uh, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some uh, FPI. Is that what it is for me, ESPN? FPI? FPI. That is, that's correct. We're inundated with the acronyms in sports, and FPI is one of them. Okay, so B BTW and FYI, we'll talk FPI when we come back. So, Jimmy, this FPI thing from ESPN, um, try and explain it and explain how it relates to Alabama. Well, FPI, as I understand it, because it is complicated, put it this way. Let's compare it to a very similar acronym, RPI, which we don't use as much anymore. For a while, that dominated college, college basketball. An RPI was a score that was assigned to you based on your resume, which means what have you done to date? What is your resume? What has your team accomplished? Based on those accomplishments alone, you're given a score, your RPI. And then at the end of the year, the committee is the RPI to determine you know, who should, who should get in the tournament and what their seed should be. At FPI is, concentrate on that word F, because to me what it means is forward, the FPI is forward-looking. It's really a predictive thing. It's like, based on what you've done, based on what everybody on your team has accomplished, and based on how we project things to work out, we're going to give you a score. So it's a prediction. It's forward-looking based on an algorithm that takes into account, apparently, every statistic known to man. And I have it on good authority that despite the fact that you might see things that look odd in the FPI and go, this doesn't look right. I have it on authority that if you bet in Vegas using nothing but the FPI, you go by the FPI as your predictive tool, you'll do pretty well in Vegas. I think the people at ESPN who invented the FPI are very happy with what it, what the results have been and they haven't really changed much to the algorithm. So uh, the FPI, as much as you mock it, it has been a reasonable indicator. And, and with the FPI, you can do things like determine the percentage chance you're going to win a game or lose a game based on the, the, the FPI. So that's interesting. It's a predictive tool. You know, it is interesting. And it's funny you say people mock it because they do. And they it's just like they mock recruiting rankings. They're like, oh, that guy was a five-star and he didn't worth the shit. Well. It, it's not a, there's nothing that's foolproof and that's the FBI is the same way. If it says Alabama has, or, you know, yeah, Alabama has a 78% chance to beat Clemson in the national championship game. Well, there's a 22% Alabama won't. So if they play a hundred times, Clemson wins like 22 of them. And the, that's, that just goes over people's heads sometimes. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, look, no, the recruiting rankings are not, hard and fast, neither is the FBI, but I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think in the, the FBI this time, um, uh, that did they not have Auburn finishing second in the West? Uh, they, they might have. That, that might have. I, I have not examined results beyond looking at myself, the between Alabama and who they're playing, who's the FBI say our toughest games are. That's the only thing I've really looked at so far. I haven't looked at too much of the 
who's going to win the West, who's going to win the East, who's going to win the Big Ten. I haven't really looked at, at a lot of that just yet, but uh, I wonder as, as to how the FPI lined up our toughest opponents in 2020. So how did they do it? Oh, well, well there, there's five. There's five that were ranked really high. I mean, number one, obviously, Georgia. Uh, number two, LSU. Number three, Auburn. Uh, number four, USC. Uh, and number five, Texas A&M. Uh, that was how they said our five toughest games. I would throw in, I, I think they're underestimating Tennessee a little bit. That's just me and my FPI. That's my forward predictive machine. I, I think Tennessee is is better than their preseason rankings are going to be. And this is the reason, Luke. I mean, this makes so much sense. So much of what people predict you're going to do is based on what you did last year, right? And people look at Tennessee and they're like, well, they finished eight and five. I mean, why are we going to think that the eight and five team is going to be really good? Well, it's because they really, really should have finished 10 and three. They lost to two bad teams because for whatever reason, they stumbled out of the gate. I think everybody on the planet Earth would be unanimous in agreeing that had Tennessee played Georgia State and BYU in November instead of September, they would have won the games easily. They were just a different team late in the year. Out of the gate, they stumbled. So what I'm saying is if Tennessee was coming off a season where they just finished 10-3 and for the first time in years, won 10 games, and returned the amount of starters they did and have improved their recruiting like they have, Tennessee would be an in vogue pick to be in the top 15 going into the season. And in my mind, they are a 10 and three team because those two losses are just silly. I mean, it's almost like that. That didn't really happen. They're, they, they're, they're better than Georgia state and BYU. They had some sort of glitch, like a computer error, computer error. Yeah, I know that. I know you transcribe that as a buffering. loss, but really it's not. They, they were buffering. <laughs> um. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I think Tennessee's going to be good. So in my mind, then there's six games, we play 12 games, six of them are, are have, have what I would go. It's, it's much different than last year when we were mocked for our schedule. I think our schedule this year is pretty tough. I, I think six of the 12 games would be really tough games. Maybe they won't all prove tough for Alabama, but let's just pick a random top 25 team, uh, Wisconsin. I mean, they're, they're going to be in everybody's top 25, and they're a really good team. I bet if Wisconsin had to play those six games, they'd be like, holy crap. Eight and four would be really, really good. You know, and we're talking about Wisconsin, who might finish in the top ten. Yeah, in fact, I think I've seen Wisconsin as high as number five in some preseason polls. That's, that's interesting. Um, and, you know, of course, we still got to figure out if we're even going to play some games or if we're just going to play all conference games or whatever, I know all that's on the table, but a lot of schools, Alabama included, have announced that they plan on having uh, classes in the fall, Arkansas, Missouri, I think, LSU, Alabama. Um, you know, not all SEC schools have so far, but a lot of them have. And so, you know, the SEC may play and may, maybe a lot of these other teams like USC may not. So. This is an idea I had, not, not, not that the NCAA or anyone's going to listen to me, and even if I put it out on Twitter and it gets 100 retweets, it's not going to matter. So I'm not proposing this because me proposing something to the NCAA is like me proposing, you know, something to, to, uh, to the Pope, you know, like, hey, I think we ought to change this rule. And the Pope's like, oh, yeah, Jimmy, great idea. No, I mean, that's, that's not going to happen. But just a thought. 
one thing that we could, I can see this working. If we backed up the season two weeks, and by that I'm just talking about the regular season, that instead of playing the SEC championship game, instead of that being, quote, December 3rd, we made it December 17th. So we back that up two weeks, and we eliminate all non-conference games and eliminate from a few Power Five leagues playing non-conference games. We just knock, okay, everybody's going to knock out one. So in other words, everyone in, in the Power Five and group of five has an eight-game schedule. I think you could start off that schedule maybe as late as the second week of October. Everybody plays eight games. That determines your division winners. Then there's a conference championship game on December 17th. And then, you know, a national championship. So, in other words, man, you could really back it up to the middle of October and play what I think would be a – it wouldn't be ideal, but it would be fair. You could fairly – determine a national champ. If you fairly determine the winner of each conference, then you can fairly determine a national champion by just saying, all right, we got these five conference champs in the power five, and we're going to vote on, on, on which four of those five are the best four to, to put in our playoff this year. I'm just saying, I didn't really think about it until last night looking at the calendar. You could back up the start of the season all the way to mid-October and only add two weeks on. So that, that to me just seems very doable, but we'll see. When you say back up the season, do you mean still play all the games in their original Eight. order or no, start? No, Eight, no, yeah, could, no we're going to have to yeah. we have to prepare a contingency plan. That Okay, these schedules that are out now, scrap it. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's playing eight conference games. It's up to each conference to, to, to put out their schedule. Everyone is playing eight conference games beginning mid-October, no bye weeks. We're going to play for eight straight weeks, take a two-week break, and then play the SEC, or maybe not even take a two-week break, play, play your conference championship game the week after your eight weeks in a row. And now we'll have conference champions in all ten conferences, five power five, five group of five, and our committee that we've already got in place, they're going to meet – and they're going to discuss of all those conference champions. You must be a conference champion this year and this year alone. You must be a conference champion to be in the playoff. And the committee is going to decide, you know, who's in the playoff and who's in those big bowls uh, after the outcome. Uh, and I'm just saying that's just a way to condense the season, but the season still be competitive and fun. And now we're not starting until mid-October when maybe we got a better handle on things instead of, the kids having to be on campus and practicing as soon as July. Uh, maybe they don't have to be on campus and practicing until mid-August, you know, right. uh, if, if we don't start till midway through October. See, before every, every time I heard that you could just back up the season, I'd come up with all these reasons why it's bad. Well, that, that, would, that would work. But we'll see. I'm still – my hope is we play the season as planned, and I am sitting in – AT&T Stadium in Dallas, uh, watching Alabama play USC in person. That's my hope, and I'm not giving up on it. Well, as you uh, said that, you know, an eight-game conference season is better than nothing. It's sort of like when uh, I used to hang out at the Tusk in Tuscaloosa about 2 o'clock in the morning, and a girl would look over at me and go, any port in a storm, and uh, 
Off we go. Um, <laughs> all right, so I want to remind everybody, number one, about Built Bar. Uh, go check them out, builtbar.com. And also, Nyko Sports, the Tua Tungvaluwa football. He has number one uh, in, in in terms of jerseys for Miami. But this is his Alabama jersey, his Alabama picture, wearing the good old number 13. Go check it out, Nyko Sports, N-I-K-C-O Sports.com. Um, it, it's just an awesome, awesome football, fully sized, fully embossed, got all his statistics, the MVPs, uh, all his accolades, the awards, et cetera, et cetera. Got to go check it out. It's a uh, perfect Mother's Day gift, as Jimmy brought up the other day. And you can call them at 1-800-345-2868, 1-800-345-2868. But uh, $99, part of the proceeds go to the Alabama Make-A-Wish Foundation. You cannot beat that. That's just incredible. Go check them out, nycosports.com. Tell them you heard about it on a Locked On podcast. Jimmy, that's going to wrap us up. So uh, we'll say a big roll tide, and we will catch you guys first of next week. Roll tide.